The Plant Better Podcast is brought to you by Sweetfish Media. You don't have time to write and promote a blog for your church. Let Sweetfish do it for you. Find out more at sweetfishmedia.com. You're listening to Plant Better, a podcast dedicated to helping church planners launch and lead gospel-centered and life-giving churches. If you're a church planner looking for tools and resources or encouragement and wisdom from other church planners, then you've come to the right place. Let's get into the show. All right, we are here today with Chris Martin from Fathom Church, not the lead singer of Coldplay. So if we uh, if we roped you in with the title of the show. We apologize. Um, But Chris is an awesome guy and he's going to be talking to us today about cold planning. Chris, how are you doing today? You know, I'm doing, I'm doing well. It's a little bit actually cold here in Denver today. So, um, so we're, we're laying in on the cold theme today. What's it, what's it here today? Kenny, like 84, 85? Tough life we live in Orlando. Awesome. Um, so Chris, uh, so we were going back and forth via email and you said that you think you've got pretty unique perspective on uh, what it takes to cold plant. Um, you actually planted Fathom Church, you know, what I, I guess about 10 months ago now in February of 2015, we're, we're now in November. Um, and so not that long ago, uh, before we jump into this though, re- I really want you to define like what is cold planting? Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, I don't know if anybody else calls it this, but cold planting from my, from our perspective, um, it's not that we are new to the area. Um, I'm actually uh, born and raised in the Front Range of Colorado, and so I have a a long history here. Uh, I consider myself a native here, so I'm, this is my people. Um, that that's not how we define cold. The way that I define cold planting is um, somebody who doesn't have um, a sending agency, maybe a church planting agency somebody that doesn't have a church that is officially sending them with resources and people and et cetera, um, but somebody who's, who is passionate about an area, um, passionate about a call, and uh, develops kind of from, from scratch uh, a, a strategic plan to uh, uh, plant a church in, in a new area. And so uh, that's what I call cold planting um, when I say that. Got it. Yeah, and what would you say? So, I mean, you've obviously you've you've been doing this now for uh, for ten months. What would you say up to this point are the pros of cold planting, and then uh, and then the cons of cold planting? Yeah, I I I think um, so. So I examined going with different organizations, even jumping into some denominational planting opportunities. Um, the, the, one of the biggest pros for, for me, um, was wanting to have, well, I don't know if it's, if it's a, a, a crass word to say, but control. I mean, I, I wanted to be able to, um, to define the doctrine and the governance and, um, the church planting method and strategy, uh, how I wanted it done and how, uh, the group of, of folks who wanted to jump in with me on this wanted it to see, to see it done. And so to have, to have that kind of freedom, not having that oversight was a real, real big pro. Um, the, another, another pro I think for, uh, you know, the cold planter is, um, is that you have uh, a lot of flexibility, um, in terms of making decisions on the fly. Um, there is no, um, overseeing board or overseeing group. You just kind of, 
Um, you have flexibility, like a little motorboat to be able to turn on a dime if necessary. And so that gave us a lot of freedom, a lot of flexibility and ability to make decisions pretty quickly and strategically as we needed to. Um, there were some downsides. Uh, obviously, um, some, of the, some of the big downsides are you don't have um, maybe the resource base that you would have if you had an organization or a church backing you. That could be financially, that could be in terms of personnel, that could be in terms of training. Um, but, but, um, so, so that, that's definitely a downside. Another downside is, is, uh, just a lack of affiliation. Um, you know, if, if you're planting with say the Southern Baptist church, you have the backing of a huge organization and that's, that, that can be a big benefit. Um, we ended up joining in with Acts 29 church planning network, but, uh, didn't become full members until I want to say March or April. So, uh, that was almost a, a few months late for us. Um, and since then, that network has proved to be very valuable. But leading up to that, it was just kind of us and uh, social media and website and word of mouth. Got it. Chris, I, um, I, I, like, I like some of the things you were giving. I, I like the idea. Maybe it's my own personality. I like the idea. You, you kind of said, you know, you used the word control. And I, and I think that might have a bad connotation to some people. It, it doesn't to me. I think I understand the heart behind it. What would you say, though, to someone that maybe challenges you and says, um, or you're being power hungry, or that you're not being, um, you know, you're not looking for a plurality of leadership, you're, you're looking to kind of be too maverick and too rebellious. If, if someone were to challenge you in that way, how would you respond to them? Yeah, and, and, and I think that's a valid, um, you know, rebuttal to this, to this idea. Um, and, and we tried, I, so my wife and I specifically talked about that going into this and spent a, a lot of time um, pursuing a couple of other families to join us. So I, walking into this, we, we did uh, appoint two guys to be as uh, elders with me on this plant. So we had uh, two other guys who stepped in and, and had a plurality of leadership. Um, there is still a level at which you know, we had the control that we wanted to. Um, we wanted to be able, we just wanted to be able to from scratch build this thing and not have to take on a certain form of governance that we weren't ready for or make a, uh, you know, some sort of uh, fudge in what we believed in when it came to non-essential doctrines or things like that. Um, so yeah, it was a control move in that we wanted to be able to control this. I, I knew from the get-go, I've worked in four other churches a lot in this area um, leading up to this plant. And I knew that if I was going to be the, the lead pastor of a, of a church plant, I needed to be able to stand behind fully what this church said it believed and what it practiced. And, um, and, and I just didn't see a denomination or a group that I, I could say 100% I'm in on this. So. And so what, why, the, why join the Acts 29 network uh, uh, at all at that point? I know you said that after you joined, it kind of seems like it's been, um, like it's, it's been worth it. But on the front side of it, you may or may not have fully known what it was going to be, of, you know, or maybe you did. Um, you know, if you've already planted sort of on your own with you know a small group of you know a few families, and you guys have done this and have had some relative success, uh, what what would be the what would be the, the the kind of the motivating factor to jump in on the network post post plant? Yeah. So eight, so eight two nine. Um, as I did my research, eight two nine is much more for the pastor than it is for the church. Um, and, and so what I've found is I think there's an unhealthy level of autonomy that you can have as a church. 
in that you're an island unto yourself and you have no one that can speak into your world. And I've worked for non-denom churches with zero affiliation and and seen that be a problem. And so what Acts 29 offered us wasn't necessarily um, strategy or um, methodology for church planting, but it offered me as, as the lead pastor a brotherhood. It offered me guys in my area who I could call up and uh, seek wise counsel from. And then it also, on, on a larger scale, involved us in a movement of churches, planting churches, that, that really struck a chord with me um, that may be uh, you know, less of a heavy hand than maybe a denomination or a more controlling church planting network might uh, have offered. Good, good thoughts. So Chris, you mentioned in kind of our pre-interview that a big part of this experience for you um, and it's something you've learned a ton in uh, is in the area of fundraising. Could you spend the next few minutes kind of unpacking what kind of your fundraising journey has looked like um, since that's been, you know, a lot of your reality the last few months? Yeah. Well, and I, I it's, it's funny looking back now because I've turned down jobs in the past because they required you to run raise funds and, it's just not, I don't see myself as much of a salesman. I don't see myself as, you know, a real, you know, go-getter when it comes to, to raising funds. But um, this, this journey I knew was going to require uh, me to, to jump in this. And I've heard it said um, by guys in Axe Network that if you're, if you're the lead pastor, you're always the chief fundraiser for a church. Um, and so that was something I, I, I wanted to own and step into um, was really blessed by one of our elders uh, who uh, is a professional fundraiser for a large nonprofit ministry. And so he he immediately came alongside me and um, actually has developed his own kind of consulting ministry to church planters and to other ministries in terms of fundraising. But he and I spent a lot of time developing a plan in terms of how to pursue uh, funds, what is a philosophy of fundraising, and and uh, and biblical understanding of this, um, and then I really saw it as as my job. I mean, as a part of my job uh, to uh, take hours out of my week, make phone calls, have meetings of you know eating lunch, having coffee, writing letters, writing thank you notes. I mean, just spending a, a, a concerned effort on the the game of fundraising and trusting that that throughout that process, the Lord was kind of going before me in that. Um, and, and what we found as we, as we kind of method, I mean, our method was really just pursuing our contacts, pursuing people that we knew, people that I had been in ministry with in the past, um, you know, kids that I was a youth pastor for a decade ago, um, just, just pursuing people that, that had, had run life with me for a little bit in some season in the past and inviting them to be a part of, of this vision for a church plant, inviting them to, um, even if they would never attend Fathom, inviting them to say, you can play a part in this kingdom move. And so there's a level at which you have to uh, offer an apologetic for church planting. Uh, you have to offer an apologetic for why you should be the guy who's who's planting the church. Um, but but on a whole, I think the coaching that I received and then the strategic plan to actually just go forward and 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 fundraise, I was shocked by how generous people were. I mean, we had we had. We had folks who, you know, I've done ministry with give us money. We had folks who 
Um, I had I had just you know barely met give us money. I had I've had I've had guys who aren't even believers in Christ who said, Chris, you know I love you. You know I I love you. I don't know anything about churches, but I believe in you. And they've they've given us funds. Um, it's just been a I, I have I have I've had youth past youth from my previous youth ministry experience who said I can give you twenty bucks a month, and it's just. It's it's really been a warming to my heart to see people kind of come around this. So I think it's 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 both strategy when it comes to fundraising and um, really an understanding of the networking that that previous experiences have offered. Um, I I also have heard it said that if you can't fundraise, you have no business church planting. And I'm I'm at that the stage where I just believe that. I mean, I really believe that if you can't um, articulate and and get folks to be pumped the same way that you are about your mission, vision, and values of a church plant, then maybe it's not the right thing for you to be doing. That's really good. Yeah, it's good thoughts. Um, Chris, with, with some of that in mind, just very curious, uh, and I know you're only, a, you know, you're less than a year into this current church plant, um, and, and by the grace of God, my hope would be that you're there for many decades to come doing great stuff for the Lord in, in Littleton. Uh, and my question would be, would you recommend for, for, for guys to kind of do what you did, or would you see yourself later down the road maybe building out a, a program where you could become a sending church for guys that maybe don't – were kind of in your scenario would say, hey, you guys don't have a sending agency or a sending church. We'll be that for you, and we'll give you what I knew I needed but didn't have from a particular brotherhood. Uh, you know, would you be would you kind of see yourself going that route, or would you yeah, be more inclined yeah. to tell guys to do it kind of your way? No, I I mean, I I think to try and replicate what we did would be foolhardy. I mean, it 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 happened to work out really well for us, and 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 you know, hands off of it. It's really been the grace of the Lord that that this thing has taken off. I mean, you just it doesn't make any sense at some level why this would work at this season in my life with, you know, all that's going on in this metro area. But, um, no, I, I think the cold plant was, was what I felt like I needed to do at that moment. Um, I don't think it's a wise move unless you're really wired entrepreneurially and have a lot of connections and know the area that you're going to be planting well and, really have a strong sense of vision and core group, even movement before you pre-plant. I mean, the, one of the things is as we started talking this, my wife and I had this dream, you know, a year prior to that. And we started talking about this with some of our close friends and people that we'd just been in relationship with, uh, through previous ministry experiences and having people commit to this before we even had a name or a, a, an idea beyond, Hey, we should plant a church in, 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 you know, East Littleton. Um, that we, we knew that there was some movement behind that. Um, but as, you know, as a part of Acts 29, we want to continually send churches. We want to raise up young leaders and, and plant them. And so we're working through already, what is our process going to look like to develop, train, equip, and send, uh, church planters out of fathom. Um, and I don't think we would, you know, kick them out the door and wish them, you know, good luck on their own and let them cold plant. It's just, it's, it happened to work out this time. There's some tips and tricks that we learned, um, but it's certainly not um, an advisable just, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go cold plant. Good luck, you know. <laughs> um, Chris, I know we're going we're gonna to just spend a moment talking about core team development. Um, but before that, I'd I love to just kind of ask, you said there's a few 
tips and tricks you learned other than fundraising? Any other quick things you'd throw out there to anyone listening to this? Um, yeah, I, I, I think at some level, the best advice that I give is, um, is you don't need to uh, follow any prescribed timeline. Um, there's, you know, if you read church planting books and handbooks and manuals and training, you know, materials, which I spent a ton of time in before I jumped into this journey, you know, they say, okay, you need to be in your home group kind of core group phase for 12 to 18 months. And we were there for two months before we outgrew the house that we were in and needed to find our first kind of location. Um, I, I, I know that there are no good rules of thumb in this thing. And so for some folks, it's, it's okay, we need a good year or so to really get to know our core team. We already knew our core team, and so we didn't need that time. We were ready to launch Sunday services pretty quick. Um, the other side of this, and I, I, another tip, I guess I would say, is um, really equipping your core team and seeing that, uh, encouraging them to, to um, see themselves as uh, a real vital cog in this thing is the only reason why uh, Fathom survived kind of the infancy, and I guess we're still in our infancy. Um, but if it were all on my shoulders, this thing would never have flown the way that it has. But we really instilled in our core group members that, listen, this is your church. This is your church plant. You need to own this thing. And, um, and you know, again, by the grace of God, through just having a website, a Facebook page, some Twitter and Instagram, and then a bunch of people inviting and investing in others, um, that's really where we've seen the growth. We ha we we don't even have a sign. I mean, we don't have we we have nothing on on the street that would attract anybody. Um, and so I, I just I push people away from gimmicks and I push them towards really building into their people uh, to allow for them to be kind of the missionaries in this area. That's really good, man. Um, so, so Chris, you kind of you segued into that core team development, really building into your core team. Are there, is there anything else, kind of, as it relates to core team development as a whole, that you would that you would want to impress on a new church planner? Yeah, I think you know, a couple of things. One is just don't take anyone. Um, I think there's this there's this early on you just want bodies. Um, but when it when it's when it's a cold plant, and you don't have any kind of historical backing, uh, I, I just really think you want to be wise about who you invite to come with you. And it, it's almost it, it feels again crass to say, okay, maybe I'd say no to some people. But there were people that we were really thankful didn't did not join us, um, just because you know you, you want folks who who are going to see eye to eye with you in vision. But even more than that, in an infancy stage of a church plant, you want folks that you just want to be with. Mm, and and so, so we, 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 like the core team of folks that, that we planted with are mentors, are family members, are, um, you know, close friends that we've done life with for years. And, um, and so we already had this really tight knit kind of community of, of, believers that then we were intentional about inviting others into. Um, and so it, it you know, I, I know a lot of guys who go into a new city to plant with nobody that they don't know anybody except for their wives and their kids. And, and I understand that there's a long road of development, but boy, I, I don't know if there's, if there are assessment methods for 
interviewing new potential core members or you just you can plan a church with 30 of the wrong people um, and 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 I don't know that that church is gonna survive um, but if you get the right people around you the right you know uh, original members for your group um, charter members whatever you might call them man it 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 changes the dynamic and people walk in new people walk in and see 30 40 50 people that really are in it together and it's not you know this is all patchwork together it's it's much more attractive to say i could i could sit through this i could i could lean into this as a as a new church a baby church even as somebody who doesn't know me or anybody else in in our church um it it, it just sets a foundation that's so imperative that's really good chris um, great thoughts man great yeah. thoughts yeah, I really, I, I like, yeah, I like that idea of like, you want folks that you just want to be with. I think that it seems like common sense, um, but I can totally see how you would, you would just want warm bodies and kind of take, take anybody. Um, and we've even heard stories in this podcast of folks that have done that and, and seen kind of the, the, I don't want to say devastation, uh, but th- there was definitely it was some negative impact of bringing on folks that should should have never been invited in the first place or mm. or uh, made it past yeah. whatever screening process was there so that's really good man um so uh so chris as as we kind of close out our time together uh, i want to ask one last question if you if you were at the table um eating lunch with a guy that's about to maybe he's, he's let's pretend he's already been affirmed he's, he's going out to plant um what is it that you want that guy to walk away from that table with after having a conversation with you yeah, I, I think um, this is this is something that I've just been really leaning into in my life, and I would want to encourage him to say, um, we want things to grow fast, we want things to grow big, uh, we want things to progress at a at a rapid pace, um, and and if you're if you're interested in growing something fast and big really quick, and and maybe church planting is not the right gig for you. Um, I, I would encourage him to say, listen, if you can, if you can have a long reaching vision to say 10, 20, 30 years from now, if I'm, if, if I plant this church and it survives and I'm, and I'm rolling with, you know, the kids that are born in my church who, have, who are having kids and we're, you know, dedicating their children, et cetera, I, I would just encourage him to, to really dream with a long vision for longevity because, I mean, as you guys, I'm sure know, church plants come and go like, I mean, it's like fast food restaurants. They're just coming up all over the place and then they disappear within a, a year or two. And so to plan for the long haul, to plan what your end game looks like, to plan what, you know, when you retire from your church plant, I mean, that, that, that's a vision that I, I would want them to have. Not this quick flash in the pan, let's try and grow this thing as fast as we can so that by Easter we're baptizing 100 people. I mean, Lord, praise the Lord if that happens. Um, but, but picturing yourself as a 65, 70 year old man saying that was my legacy. Um, mm-hmm. that's, that's what I would want to encourage young guys with. And, and that's what I try to encourage my heart with when I get a little bit caught up and starry eyed in this thing. That's really good, Chris. I legitimately have a uh, goose chills right now. Just, just throwing that out there. That was, that was, that was really good. Um, so, so Chris, that's uh, we, we've we've gone a little bit longer than than the rest of our episodes with you. So, I really appreciate you, um, you know, hanging out with us this afternoon and, and sharing your wisdom with us. Uh, I think it's I think it's going to impact a lot of guys. 
Um, so I appreciate it, man. Well, thanks, guys. Appreciate it, too. Thank you so much. If you love this episode today, you'll definitely want to join our private Facebook community. We created this group so that church planners from all around the world can share wisdom, resources, and encouragement with one another. You can join the group by visiting plantbetterpodcast.com slash FB. We're really excited to connect with you there. If there's a church planning topic that you'd like Kenny and I to cover on the show, leave a review on iTunes and let us know. Not only do those reviews fuel the content for the show, but they actually help us reach more people within iTunes. Thank you for listening to the show. Until next time.